Country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. The future of country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. It was inspiring to be around a bunch of badass women. It makes you just want to work that much harder and uplift each other and go to the top together. Country confidential. Growing up in the late 90s and early 2000s, my days were filled with strong ladies and country music. To be honest, my first ever CD was Wide Open Spaces from the iconic country trio, The Chicks. My full-blown obsession with the ladies and country music only grew from there. I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe it's because I feel represented. Maybe it's because I can just relate. Regardless of the reason, country music would not be where it is today without strong female influences. I was lucky enough to sit down with Lily Rose, Ashlyn Craft, Parker Welling, and Stephanie Quayle to chat all about their experiences as women in country music and everything that led them to where they are now. Y'all know me, starting that sentence over. Y'all know me, I got all the secrets and untold stories from their experiences. I'm your host, Backstage Bobby, and this is Country Confidential, Let the Girls Play. Georgia native Lily Rose has quickly gained the icon and trailblazer status despite being fairly new to the scene. Her song, Villain, resonated with millions of people across the globe after she posted it on TikTok in December of 2020 and it ultimately launched her career into what it is today. Shortly after going viral, Lily found herself signed to some of the biggest labels in town, Big Loud and Republic. Lily became the first country singer to be awarded with the Outstanding Breakthrough Artist Award at the GLAAD Media Awards, which is the world's largest LGBTQ media advocacy organization. Lily was also named to the CMT's Next Women of Countries class of 2022, and there's no doubt that she'll have many more awards to her name in the future. I was thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with Lily about her incredible career so far. But of course, I wanted to know, where did it all start for Lily? I grew up around music. My parents, uh, my dad's still in radio. My mom used to be in radio, so... They both worked for one of the biggest top 40 stations in the country back in the 80s. So, I mean, I grew up with not only music playing in my house, but like 4,000 vinyl records are still in my house. And just all of the cool things that you get when you have parents that both love music as well. Um, But when it comes to people playing music, it was only my cousin, Zach, who grew up in Atlanta with me. He was kind of like my older brother that was playing guitar, playing drums, playing piano and you know, those were the first times I ever touched any of those instruments were with him and at his house. And so I'm really grateful for his influence with that. He unfortunately passed away when I was 17. But, you know, I, I really don't know if I would have the passion for, for playing music um, without him. But my parents, man, they're music lovers. It's like every night after dinner, my brother got to choose two songs. I got to choose two songs. We'd have a family dance party. And um, I'm so grateful for it. I always encouraged parents uh, live or at meet and greets when they bring their kids. I'm like, hey, my parents brought me to Bruce Springsteen when I was nine years old. And when when I was five and we were at the Mexican restaurant on a Friday night and I was like, mom, dad, I want to watch the guitar player who's probably not the best. You know, they always let me stay for that extra song. And um, I'm always 
just been really grateful for it. And I encourage parents to, you see your kid having a passion towards anything. Don't, don't shy him away. Just dedicate an extra five minutes to it. I love how Lily is so close to her family. And it's really amazing that her parents allowed her to expand her love of music. Growing up with a plethora of music at her fingertips, I was curious to know what songs in particular stood out to Lily. You know, I grew up in a house where it was like Beach Boys, Beatles, and Bruce were the three that I grew up on. But I remember I was in the car with my dad when I was like five or six years old one day. And, uh... New Radicals, you only get what you get, let go, um, came on. And I said, I like this song. And my dad turned, he was like, I like this song too. It's one of those first moments, like core memories of, you know, it wasn't my music, it wasn't his music, it was our music for the first time. And that song, you should go back and listen to the lyrics for, for a kid who ended up uh, signing a record deal. That, that song's pretty foreshadowing and incredible. But was that song by the New Radicals? I remember hearing "This Love" by Maroon Five for the first time, and um, and loving that. And then I would probably say the third one is uh, that first song off of "Room for Squares" by John Mayer. What's that song called? I wanna run through the house in my house. That song. I remember just those are three core memories that I have in my dad's car, hearing those songs on the radio and being like, "I love this." But I didn't really start listening to country until I was in middle school. I didn't, my parents didn't listen to country music. Somebody, you know, we played a CD on a boombox in the backyard of my parents' house on the trampoline. It was an October night. I remember it was on a Friday because my dad was out of town for football. And they, they hit play on that thing. And the first song was I Go Back by Kenny Chesney. And I quite literally never went back. <laughs> Never, never looked back. It was only country music from there. I think the universe was definitely trying to tell her something. I love that country music can just grab you like that. And to have your first memory of country music be Kenny Chesney, I mean, it can't get much better than that. Obviously, Lily's passion only grew from there. But I wanted to know when she realized she could make a career for herself in country music. Yeah, I don't know if there was a specific moment. Um, I definitely have a lot of like core moments that shaped the career starting. Uh, I was an athlete my entire life and always thought I was going to end up playing college basketball or soccer. Um, and it wasn't until high school, I had a really good basketball team and I just wasn't making the starting five or six. And I was kind of that friend that worked really hard across the board, but I just didn't play. And I started bringing my guitar to school and bringing my guitar to, you know, the fire pits with the basketball team after we'd win or whatever it was and Taylor Swift was on the rise and all I wanted to do was I was trying to write songs like Taylor Swift and play Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and just the, the women of pop era and um you know it was a lot of covers but I was writing in between and then I got to college in Athens Georgia's beautiful music town it's not an industry town but it's a great place to learn how to be an artist and be on stage and um I remember the first night on a Wednesday night at Boar's Head um in 2013 I got up there and I did two songs open mic and uh then it just kind of snowballed from there you know turned into the thursday night act that i would play bar sets and then turned into the saturday night after football games and then before you know it, we're putting 400 people in the venue playing all original music and probably the the definition if you looked it up in merriam webster bootstrapping your career but um i'm so grateful because it's been a lot of preparation meeting opportunity you know of where i'm at right now preparation meeting opportunity wow I think that's something that I need to keep with me too. It's so clear in chatting with her that she is right where she belongs. And I love that she gets to share her energy with the world. Lily's personality and edgy songwriting really pulls me in. 
So I asked her a little bit more about her awesome songwriting and how she thinks she's grown since she's first started. You know, I always say I, when I was in Athens and even when I was back in high school, um, I was always trying to write the best Bruce Springsteen song for Lily or the best Ben Rector song, the best Maroon 5 song, the best Keith Urban song, Sam Hunt. And I got up here and I was still trying to do that. And it wasn't until I started co-writing about four years ago that um, I started writing songs that I not only loved when I walked out of the room, but I was like, this feels like me. It doesn't feel like we were trying to rewrite a Dan and Shay song or anything like that. It just feels like we wrote Lily Rose music and uh, it happened to be country. And um, I always just try to stay true to myself of just write the best song of the day and um, had the aspirations to come up here and be a country songwriter, but I didn't know artist wise what I wanted to do. And I'm so grateful that, you know, back then it was hell 2017, 2018 that, Sonically, what we were writing fit into country music and the genre and also just who I am as an openly gay artist. You know, there was not as much fear as maybe 10 years ago of trying to attack being in this genre. So I, uh, I'm a big believer in timing and I'm grateful for it because just kind of stayed true to it and still trying to. <laughs> I love how proud Lily is to rep her community. She's inspiring to say the least. And she's definitely a trailblazer, being among a small group of openly gay artists in country music. The huge weight of that doesn't go unnoticed by aspiring talent. So I asked her what advice she had for them. Easier said than done. I want to start before I say this, that I have an incredible group around me that is out of my control, which is my parents, my parents and my brother, completely out of my control. And I just hit the lottery with them. So um, I'm lucky that I've always gotten to for the most part, chase an authentic life. Um, and that's the biggest advice I could give anybody, whether they're a part of the LGBTQ community going into music or not, you know, like anybody going into music, just stay true to yourself. It will work out if you just keep working hard. But, um, you know, I always try to encourage, I get a lot of DMs from aspiring artists or songwriters that want to move to Nashville and they're afraid that Nashville is a reflection of the farthest right part of the political parties. And I'm just kind of like, hey, I only have, have, I only can speak on my experience, but this is an industry town. It's an incredible embracing community um, that has a long way to go, but I'm, I'm grateful for where they are right now. South Carolina native Ashlyn Kraft has been dressed in awards that only begin to describe how talented she is. First, she was named one of CMT's Next Women of Country class of 2021 and one of Pandora's artists to watch in the same year. With both of those accolades, I think it's safe to say that she is making a name for herself in Music City. Ashlyn's sound blends the soul of gospel music and the beautiful storytelling of country music. She's a part of a class of new strong women that are truly a force to be reckoned with in country music. I got to chat with Ashland all about where it started for her. Grew up in church, went every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So um, my first kind of step into music was singing in the choir. And um, Amy Grant, you know, that's one of the more, more typical but amazing gospel voices, um, really just anybody in gospel at the time. But I, we also listened to a lot of modern Christian music in the car with my mom. 
And then we listened to the Judds. That, that was a big one for me. I think the Judds was a huge inspiration because they sounded a little gospely, but they also had the attitude. And that was the big difference for me, I think. And what made me love them so much is they still could do those runs and harmonies and and take you to church, but also whip your ass while, you do, while they're doing it. <laughs> I mean, Reba, Dolly. Dolly was a huge one, especially in the family, because um, I have a lot of family in, in Tennessee around where she was, too. I've heard somewhere down the, along the line that maybe there's some bloodline connection there, but maybe in my wildest dreams. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just your typical, like, icons. And I feel like Mariah Carey, honestly, sounds crazy, not country, but, man, who else? I feel like there's so many. Patty Loveless. Loretta Lynn, the list goes on. I mean, anybody that spoke the truth, I was into. I love that Ashton and I could both bond over these strong ladies in country music that we both love. Of course, all of these incredible women inspired her to pursue her dreams. But I wanted to know if she could recall the moment that she knew she belonged in music. It's so funny, and I've... I wish I had a better answer than this, but honestly, for as long as I have been able to have like a conscious thought, I feel like I've been in love with music and I don't know how, but I just know that for as long as I can remember, I've just loved to sing. And so I did everything that I could to sing. I did musical theater. I sang in church, sang in the choir at school, you know, just anything that I could get my hands on to be on stage, competed in little competitions around town, um, I don't know. It's just, I feel, feel like the more that I did that, the more I was like, yeah, no, this is absolutely what I want to do. Um, I got my first guitars at 13 when one of my great uncles passed away. He's the only other person in my family that I know of that played music. Uh, neither of my parents play, sing. Um, and I never heard him sing or play. I just knew that he played bluegrass. And when he passed away, left me some guitars. That's when I kind of picked up guitars as I was like, well, I'm going to do country music. I need to learn how to play a guitar. And um, then I watched CMT music videos to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I have a strong memory of Toby Keith on stage and CMT music video, big American flag behind him. Cannot remember which music video it was, but I was just like watching his hands and that's how I learned how to play. So really, I think it was just a, a course of over time, just building onto that skill it was just more building the confidence to do it, but I can't ever think of a time where I, I didn't want to do music. So that's, I'm, I'm very grateful that I stuck with it. I'm sure I can speak for all of us when I say that I am thrilled that Ashlyn stuck it out. That perseverance has definitely paid off. Last year, Ashland was included in the CMT Next Women of Country class of 2021. And obviously I had to ask her all about it could not believe it at first because I'm like, CMT, huh? That's something I've watched literally since I've been an infant. So, um, and then when I found out they were doing something specifically for the women in country music, I was like, this is a game changer. Cause I feel like it's finally the time, like you said, when people are starting to really hone in and want to listen to what we have to say, cause it's not all the same stories. And that's what I love about next women in country music. It's women from all walks of life, all have different backgrounds, all have different stories of where we came from. And yet we're all still making 
genuine music. So it was cool to be able to learn about everybody in that crew and meet people that I'd heard about for so long, but never got a chance to meet in person. Chapel Heart girls, you know, Morgan Wade, I just got to meet recently. And that was a really cool experience. Um, Really just, it was inspiring to be around a bunch of badass women. It makes you just want to work that much harder and uplift each other and go to the top together, you know? Just as she's looked up to her favorite artists growing up, there's undoubtedly a generation of young women inspired by Ashlyn's journey too. Ashlyn shared with me a little bit of advice that she would give to anyone also looking to break into the country music world. One of the biggest things I have learned being here so far is really just sticking true to yourself, never doubting yourself. I think when you know who you are, when you're confident in that, believe in that 100%, I think it goes back to the church days, like God made us who we are for a reason. And I don't know, just the more you lean into that, not letting anybody else tell you who you're supposed to be, like that is what's going to truly fulfill you in life, I think, is just following your heart, staying true to yourself. Because um, there's a lot of a lot of different ins and outs here and life gets you no matter where you are, no matter what state you're in or if you're in Nashville or L.A., you know, life comes at you in different ways. And I think it's on how you handle it and how you pick yourself back up and take it on, take on the next challenge, keep moving forward. So not to give up would be a huge one for me. Um, stay true to yourself and just write and sing what you love, what makes you happy, what you know people are going to connect with. One of my favorite things about Ashland and her songs is her perspective. Her storytelling is as seamless as her voice. It's no secret that women in country music have had maybe a little bit more of a difficult time trying to make it than men. Maybe it's because I'm biased, but I'd say that women bring a lot to the table. Plus, they're some of the best songwriters in the biz. So I wanted to know what Ashlyn's favorite part about being a woman in songwriting was. Other women being able to feel a part of them that's being spoken to that uh, maybe a man can't really tap into. But also, I think it's also trying to win the guys over. I think it's a hard thing out here because I ain't no Carrie Underwood. All right. But (laughs) I'm also not a dude. So it's like trying to find that balance where you're like, hey, we can be buddies too. Like, even though I'm a girl, we can party, come on in, but also you know, you get to have a little bit of sex appeal too. So you get to like reach all the different areas and try to win the guys over just as much as the girls and and let them know that a woman can understand them, even though they may think it's impossible. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool because I, I grew up around guys. I grew up around all brothers, all, co- all guy cousins. So I did kind of grow up with a little bit more, not of a men mentality, but kind of, you know, I, I, was a little less on the emotional side and a little more on the tougher side. And, but I love the beauty of songwriting and being a woman and being able to kind of teeter totter on both ends of that. So yeah, get to pick and choose. I think anyone in the music industry has some sort of aspiration to inspire others. I was inspired by just chatting with Ashland, but I was curious to know who exactly is she hoping to reach with her songs? Anybody and everybody that'll listen. Um, Music did so much for me growing up. I had, just like all of us, a lot of ups and downs in my childhood. 
in the teenage years, like we've all had a lot of struggles and life is hard, but life is also beautiful and happy and everything in between. And I think it's all those in between moments that I love talking about because it's just nice to be, to feel like you're understood. I feel like music spoke to me in such a way that genuinely got me through life when I was younger and made me feel like I was not alone in a lot of the struggles and hardships that we all went through. So my hope and my goal was just to make one less person, one less person go along. So that's all I hope for. If you have a favorite modern country song, there's a huge chance that Parker Welling has been a part of it. She's co-written with Russell Dickerson, Thomas Rhett, Kelsey Ballerini, Jenna Paulette, Lauren Elena, and y'all, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Parker has been nominated for countless awards like ACM Song of the Year in 2019, Canadian Country Music Association's 2020 Songwriter of the Year, and Music Rose Female Songwriter of the Year. Whoosh! Parker is signed to Thomas Rhett's publishing company, Home Team, which is a joint venture with Warner Chapel. It goes without saying that Parker is a force to be reckoned with. She's making huge waves and a lasting impression in country music. Well, when I was little, I loved Leanne Rhymes and Shania Twain and the Dixie Chicks. Like I was obsessed with Shania Twain. I had her uh, VH1 behind the music on like a VHS tape and I'd watch it like all the time. And I had like my little karaoke machine and I would sing blue by Leanne Rhymes like all the time. And then when I discovered the chicks, it like changed everything for me. Like, I wish I still kept my like actual CDs. I was thinking about that the other day because the woman in me, that Shania record is like my favorite record like of all time. And I didn't keep it. I'm like, "Ah, it's probably like somewhere at my mom's house or something. With a talent like hers, I guess Parker started writing songs as soon as she was born. But I wanted to know when the music bug really hit her. I started, like, I'm from Nashville. So songwriters were something I kind of always knew existed because my friend's parents were songwriters or did something in the music industry. And um, my parents both met at Belmont University. They actually met at the Bluebird Cafe, which is crazy. Um, So I kind of knew that that side of the industry always existed. I thought actually that I was going to pursue the artist path. And I did that for a little bit. Um, but I, I started writing songs like, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 11 when I was like, oh, I'm going to start writing songs. And I uh, didn't really get serious about that being like a career path for me until I was in high school. Uh, and there was a show called Nashville Star that was on. And I was just like obsessed with it. And I saw Miranda Lambert on Nashville Star. And I was like, oh, that girl is like me. She's like close to my age. She like plays guitar and sings and she writes her own songs. And it kind of like gave me a different perspective because I know Shania wrote all of her songs, but there weren't at the time, like a lot of female artists were not writing their own songs. So like, you know, Faith Hill or Martina or Leanne Rhymes at that point weren't writing. Uh, And so Miranda was really the first besides Schneider that I'd seen that I was like, Oh, I think I could, I could do that. Um, so that kind of sent me on a path towards that. So many artists moved to Nashville with dreams of making it big in country, but Parker's journey is a little different because she was actually born and raised in music city. One would think that that would make you a shoo-in in this city. 
But Parker still faced challenges along the way. I asked her if breaking into this tight-knit music community in Nashville made her journey a little bit different than her peers. I definitely had to like go through all of the things that my peers were doing. Uh, I think I just had like maybe a little bit less of a learning curve because I was a little bit more familiar with it. But uh, yeah, I went to Belmont and that kind of before that I was like playing shows and doing stuff, but that really like changed for me kind of how I looked at the industry and kind of, I don't know, maybe like have a little bit more focus about it. So I was writing songs. I was sitting in a, uh, or I had a, a professor who was like an adjunct professor and he didn't teach my class. He was just friends with a friend of mine. She had a development deal at uh, Combustion, which is a publishing company in town. And that's where Ashley Gorley was signed to at the time. This is before Ashley was 65, number one. Ashley, this is maybe like two number ones and teaching at Belmont. Uh, and she was like, you need to meet my friend Ashley and like sit down and talk to him. And so at this point, I was still pursuing the artist path. I was, you know, playing shows that way, about to make a record, doing all that. And I sat down with him and he's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, why are we meeting basically? And I was like, well, I think I want to be an artist and this is, you know, what I've been doing, I write songs and whatever. And he was like, well, if you think you want to be an artist, you probably don't want to be an artist. You have to like wake up and that has to be the only thing that you think about. You have to know that you know that you know, otherwise it's just going to, it's so hard as it is. It's going to be so much harder if you're not, 150% on it. He's like, if you want to be a songwriter, you need to write a song every day, every single day. I'm like 17 years old. And he tells me this and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And so I did, I started writing songs. I didn't have a roommate in my dorm room. So I just started writing songs every day. Like I, so I started, I wrote a song a day. I didn't have to finish it, but at least start it and get halfway down the road with it. I love that Parker took Ashley's advice to heart and really dove in head first. But Parker's journey wasn't all sunshine all the time. Just like other successful artists, Parker turned her setbacks into breakthroughs. It took a lot of closed doors and a vocal injury for me to stop down that path. But um, I was writing songs, doing all that, made a little EP that did pretty well at the time on iTunes that was like, if you could get in the top 10 and you were independent, that was a big deal. And I had done that and I um, was looking at making another like full length record and got diagnosed with um, two large vocal polyps. And that <laughs> kind of changed my path for me. I was put on vocal rest off and on for two and a half years. I stopped writing, I stopped performing. Uh, and then came out of that, I started writing with my friends just kind of to ease back into it because I hadn't really written that much in two and a half years. I went from writing every single day over the course of, you know, four or five years to not writing at all. Um, So I contacted one of my friends and I was like, Hey, he was making, this is like before I was uh, before a vocal injury, people were like writing with guitars in rooms. And then during my vocal injury, it like transitioned to uh, people writing to tracks and stuff. So a friend who I went to college with, who was uh, roommates with my husband in college, and he was making beats and doing stuff. He, he was working in Christian music. And I was like, hey, what do you think about writing together? It was like my friend Jess had a uh, deal at Big Machine at the time. And so we're like, maybe I had been writing with him a little bit. He's a fantastic singer, so I didn't have to sing a lot in the room. And we're like, why don't we start writing together? So 
the three of us started writing and then Casey, the producer I was working with, he was like, we were at our friend's Christmas party and, and Russell was in our college friend group. And at the time, Russell didn't have anything going on either. We all couldn't get arrested. And uh, he was like, hey, the three of us should write. And so he was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I've been hearing the stuff you've been doing. Jess, that's cool. So we did. And the second song we wrote together was yours. The third song we wrote together was Blue Tacoma. And it kind of just started us with this like beautiful writing relationship. We were already such good friends. So at this point, I don't, I've been off of vocal rest for maybe six months. I go back for a checkup and one of my polyps is back. And I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, just cut it off. I've been putting off surgery. We've been doing vocal therapy. It healed itself. I know it's possible. I just need to like get this done with. At this point, I have like momentum. Someone, a publisher in town who is also a Hall of Fame songwriter had heard yours and was like, who helped with this lyric? I want to meet this songwriter. He knew Russell and he um, was familiar with Casey. And so he met me and signed me to my first publishing deal. And so I came out of my vocal surgery, basically straight into that deal. Uh, and then it all kind of just took off from there. Wow. Talk about a true Nashville moment. I really love that Parker didn't let anything stop her. Thank God, because she's seriously written some of my favorite songs. I wanted to know if Parker had any idea just how big these songs would become. We knew when we wrote it that it was special. I think that's the first time that I really had felt that like spark on a hit song in the room. Like we all kind of were like, it took us two sessions to write it. So Russ had the idea and um, he was talking about it. His concept was like, I don't want to kiss any lips if they're not yours. I don't want to hold any hand if it's not yours, whatever. And I said to him, kind of like giving him shit about it. I was like, um, I don't know if I would want my husband to talk about anyone else's lips if he was complimenting me. So is I love the title. Yours is there a different way into this. So I kind of started this dialogue where we're talking about it. And Casey had this like vibe going like musical vibe thing. And um, I started writing just like lyrical ideas, not knowing where we were going. Uh, and so I showed them the, what ended up being the last verse, the like uh, empty pockets at a roulette. That was the first thing I wrote. And then the boat in a bottle thing, I said, ship stuck in a bottle and Russ started just saying it. I was a boat stuck in a bottle. And it just kind of sent us down a path. Then we got to the chorus and we're just stuck. And we're like, uh, what are we going to do? And we couldn't find a way. And everything felt like it was so like, there's a fine line with a love song. It's like something that's honest and then something that's like cheesy. And we just could not find a way into it. So we reconvened on it. And when we finished it, we were like, oh, I think this is like really special. So I bring it home. My husband, who was working at a label at the time, I played it for him. And he was like, wait, I think this is like, really good. If Russell isn't going to cut this, we should find a way to like pitch this. At this point, this was like when Blake was married to Miranda and still cutting love songs. And we were like, maybe we pitch it to Blake. Maybe we pitch it to uh, like Keith Urban or someone who would cut a love song. Cause at that point in country music, there weren't really a lot of people who were singing love songs. This is like pre even Thomas Rhett singing love songs. So this is like, we wrote it in 2014, I think. Yeah, 2014, because I have vocal surgery like three months after we wrote it. Uh, so we were like, this is so special. What do we do? And 
Russell is like, I want to record it. And we're like, this is great. But also you don't have a record to. So Casey and I are like, okay, we believe in Russell. We believe in this song. Let's see what happens. So uh, he goes around to everybody in town and everybody passes. And we're like, okay, so should we pitch the song now? Should we not? At this point, I have a publishing deal. My publisher is like, this song is too good to not be recorded. I think it's a hit. We need to get it out there. And I'm like, no, you can't pitch it. It's Russell's song. It's going to be the thing for Russell. So we all just kind of just made this decision, the three of us, that it was going to be Russell's song. We were just going to, he's going to find a way to make it work. And so he like releases this video and it goes viral. And it, so we're like, this is great. We were like, well, maybe now labels will come back around and he gets played on the highway and it is a smash on the highway, no crickets. Like everyone is still passing on Russell. So then this like label forms around him of this like promo team and this like label part of Sony's team in New York, this whole thing, like in his management, they like start this thing together. And then he gets a spot on the bachelor singing yours. And I like, I really do think that was like the catalyst, like pushed it over the edge. They sent it to radio within a month of that happening. And then it went and it like, it changed everything for us. But that it was like, from the time we had written it to the time it went number one, it was four years, almost to the day. It was like, I think within a, like four days of us writing it, it was crazy. Crazy is right. I really love Parker's perspective here because it shows how long the life of a song can really be. But I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. I was curious to know what her experience has been like as a woman in some of these writer's rooms in Nashville. I think the path is easier than it was. Like, I'm so thankful for women who came before me, you know, Gretchen Peters and Matresa Berg and Nicole, who's only a few years ahead of me, like there and Hillary Lindsay, like, I mean, oh my gosh, like she's changed the game for female songwriters completely. Like there's so many women who have gone before me that kind of started opening that door. And I'm thankful to help push it open a little bit more. I think for younger writers, I think the conversations happen at radio about female artists has helped it for female writers as well, because with the existence of female artists, there's more space for female writers to live. There's not a lot of um, men who they won't openly say it, but I know what rooms I can't get in. So there's, you know, there's a definitely like an aversion to female writers still that exists. And even between just other writers, like the uh, level of respect that female writers get is not the same. The amount of opportunities we get is not the same. The way that we're perceived by other writers is not the same. Like I'm, I have conversations all the time with male writers. I like, I have to, and part of it is I'm not willing to, I have four brothers and I'm a little bit feisty if I can put in a corner. So I'll call someone on it. Like I have no problem picking up a phone and being like, Hey, when you said this about me, I've heard that this was what happened. And I'd like to hear from you what you meant by that. And I just call him on it. And honestly, like maybe that's bad, but honestly, I'd rather like go directly to the source and deal with something. That's how I do a blanket. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's a male, if it's a female, if it's a huge artist, if it's a new artist, if there's something that like, cause I'm in charge of my business, no one else is like, 
I'm thankful that I have my husband as he's my song plugger and he works at Warner Chapel and I work with him and it's great, but he really has like empowered me to just be like, I mean, I can handle this, but I think you should. And so I just do. I think there's a long way to go still for female writers in terms of equality. It's just different because the way that a lot of things, once you get to a certain tier of writing, a lot of cuts and things happen on the road at camps. And like, I'm not getting the call to go sit in a deer stand. I'm just not. And I mean, I'd be happy to do it. I think I would look really cute in camo, but I'm not getting that call and that's okay. I just have to find other ways. And, and also like I've found that empowering the other female writers around me and the other female artists around me and being like, okay, what do you need? Can I connect you with someone that's like a better producer? That's a female or this top liner that I really love and respect, I think she would work really well with you. It's like connecting my friends and being like, as long as we're supporting each other, because that's what men have that we don't have. For so long, this town has divided women and being like, there can't be a lot of you. You can't do the same thing. You can't win. And there's like 8 billion guys with the exact same name. Like it, that doesn't exist for women, but it just doesn't. And that's like, it's not really any one specific person's fault. It's just the fault of the town. That's the way that it's operated culturally. Um, and so to the extent that I'm able to, and to the extent that other artists, especially male artists and writers are willing to make that change and partner with women, I've been, you know, trying to help that process along. And I know there's other female writers that are doing the same. Well, y'all, it's clear. All of those years of hard work have truly paid off because Parker was nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, that was wild. I didn't know uh, that we were even in the eligibility window. I just assumed because it wasn't a radio single. I know that Mickey gets a ton of critical acclaim, but she hasn't had any radio hits yet. Uh, So I I just, it didn't even cross my mind. I was like, well, TR's camp is doing country again. So I know what's your country song is not going to be eligible. Love you like I used to is too old for the window. So I just kind of assumed that it wasn't going to happen. And so I'm in a Home Depot in Panama City Beach with my husband. And I get a text from Mickey. It's a group text with everyone who is on the song. And she was like, oh my gosh, we got nominated for a Grammy. And she'd been nominated, I think for four, everything that she was eligible for in a country category, she was nominated for And I'm like standing in a Home Depot, like shaking, being like, I just got nominated for a Grammy, Uh, which is so fun because I was actually the year before when the nominations were announced, I was also in Florida when Mickey got nominated. And I remember texting her being like, this is so huge because it was her first time being nominated. Uh, And it's just like, I think it's so historical for our genre for her to be recognized in that way. Uh, it's a shame that she hasn't won one yet, but I think she will. Uh, but I remember having that conversation. It was so cool that the next year it was like us together on something that we had written on zoom during COVID. Uh, it was just a really exciting thing. I think like something that I've learned in the last year, so part of it being the Grammy thing, some of it being other things that have happened is that like my path is just my path. Like I need to not look around at anyone else's. And I wish that, I mean, I've been, I think, more mindful of it because of my vocal injury. And I don't know if you're hip to the Enneagram, but I'm a four in the Enneagram, so I'm the individualist, which means I 
<laughs> I don't like do things the way anyone else does. So I'm always someone who's like, my path is going to be different. I'm going to do my own thing. But it is really hard to look around, especially at other males who are in the same like class as me coming up and seeing opportunities that they get that I just don't have the access to. And I think like the Mickey thing for me was something that's like, that's a room that like some other people can't get in that, that I can. And, and I'm really thankful that Mickey and I have had the relationship we've had over the last several years writing together. Um, and I think it's just, it's different for everyone. I didn't expect for my first time being nominated for a Grammy to be that song, but I'm so thankful that's above and beyond what I could have imagined my first Grammy nomination being because it's a song with a message. It's female empowerment. Mickey is such an amazing artist to be nominated with her was such a huge honor. And then the 720 guys are my friends and that's such a fun thing too for them. Like it was just such, and we got to go out together with the 720 guys and hang out the whole weekend with them and their wives. And it was just really, it was such an honor and such a cool experience. Bozeman, Montana native Stephanie Quayle hit the ground running in her music journey as she started to play the piano at the young age of four. Shortly after purchasing a guitar when she was 15, she found her calling as a performer. Stephanie made her grand old Opry debut in April of 2018 and has since played there over 10 times. She was also named one of CMT's Next Women of Country in 2019. It's no wonder that she's received all this recognition. She is someone whose hard work is led by her vulnerability and is a true force because of it. I recently got to catch up with Stephanie and I got to chat with her and learn a little bit more about why being a part of this great genre and community of women is so important to her. My mom was like the country mouse and my dad was the city mouse, which is kind of cute to talk about because Montana's, well, it still is pretty, you know, unpopulated compared. So my mom, it was the Judds to Joni Mitchell. I, I mean, we had a little AM radio that played in our barn. So it was, it was all... It was everything country music, you know, Willie Nelson. And uh, my dad was Mr. Rock and Roll. So I think that's where I get like, whenever I hear heart, you know, and, and these amazing women, Fleetwood Mac, I mean, so much. And then more contemporaries, you know, like your Shell Crows and such. But when I was little, it, I mean, that little country radio played 24 seven. And if I could be in the barn, if I could be with the horses, that, that was, you know, I would, I would shovel whatever it took to get me some more time with the horses. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's fun to now be here and living amongst my peers that I, I, you know, like I've got a long way to go, but like to know that Trisha Yearwood is, is here and she's with us and be able to like have those opportunities, you know, and, and Winona, oh my gosh, and Sarah Evans. I mean, there's just so much great music. So it's, it's, it's wild. I'd never got to meet Loretta, but I got to see her perform in person. And it just, you know, when it comes to the women, it's untouchable. I really love that Stephanie brings up so many women that shaped her, not only as an artist, but as a person. Some of these ladies have inspired me as well. We both bonded over our love of the chicks and of course the queen herself, Dolly Parton. I mean, talk about the chicks. I mean, just uh, the songs, right? You know, when you can escape in music like we can, it's just, you know, I mean, mean, Dolly is Dolly is Dolly is Dolly, you know? And when I put out my uh, first single, Drinking With Dolly, and the world told me, you know, 
it's too country, it's too traditional. And I go, I don't care. <laughs> I have to, I have to, because A, it's one of the greatest songs. Victoria Banks, Rachel Proctor wrote it. And when we put that song out and Dolly heard it, like get the Dolly stamp of approval, like, come on. It's clear in her work and her sound that Stephanie has had some strong influences from women in country. But I wanted to know how she felt when she finally found her voice. It was when I was 16, I went on an exchange program to Freiburg, Switzerland, of all places. I, this was my way of running away legally. Uh, I got bullied really, really bad my freshman year of high school and I didn't know how to leave the situation. So I, I did an exchange program and no kidding, Freiburg, Switzerland, there's a band. I, I, I don't know what they're doing now, but they were called Scotch and Soda and their lead singer had moved away. So they were looking for a new lead singer. And I, I'm a professional eavesdropper. It's part of my job as a songwriter. So I'm like, Hi, American here, I sing. And they let me come audition and I got the gig. And I don't know if I got the gig because I was any good or if it was just because I was American. They're like, oh, that'll bring some people. Uh, so we started writing songs, recording songs, made a little CD and we put it out and we toured around Switzerland. And that was when, like when I got on that stage and I was like, oh, I make sense. I think when you get that feeling of like, oh, I make sense, that when that clicks, there was nothing that could stand in my way. And so then it was just like, find a way. If it was taking my little cassette tapes, like door to door, or when there were yellow pages, going to the R section, record labels and cold calling. Like one of my favorites was calling like a, a rap label in New York. And I didn't know, yeah, no one even knows this, you know? And I think I acted as my own assistant, you know? So I could be like, I have this new artist. She's amazing. <laughs> like oh what kind of music country we're we're a rap label uh oh my bad everything goes now which is so fun i mean music has become almost genreless in a way which is you know cool to see all the fences kind of come down and you know everyone who's true to what they do it's all it's all good there's plenty of room but yeah i would i was i was like a door-to-door -door salesman with my music i mean i would sing in elevators like um i i want to go back and have a conversation with that girl and just be like maybe next time let's just pump the brakes a little this is wild who knew that a trip to switzerland out of all places would launch her passion even higher i love that she brings up the idea of promoting herself the old-fashioned way. But being from Montana, I'm sure Stephanie felt the pull to be in Nashville and to take her next step in pursuing her dreams. So I wanted to know when Stephanie felt like she had to be in Music City. So the lost years were my years in California. So I went from Montana, I was 19 years old, packed up my little car, drove to California. California was familiar. You know, growing up in Montana, you know, it's much easier to get to. Uh, and Nashville was like, the holy grail so nashville i was not going to go to nashville until i was ready and i had to get ready <laughs> so i went to la to get ready boy howdy did i get ready oh lord have that could be a whole series uh so went to la and you know here i am with my little three chords and the truth and my cowboy boots and they're like why are you here <laughs> they're like you should be in nashville i'm like i will get there I'm here to just like, you know, figure it out. And so that was a great experience in what not to do. I learned so much and 
so many different experiences. But by the time I got to uh, Nashville, that was November of 2011. So this is a couple years after the plane crash. So after the plane crash in 2009, I didn't know if I'd ever sing again. I didn't know if I could ever make it make sense again. I don't, I didn't know if I could give it enough purpose. And that was my, my thought was like, it has to be so much more than just the bells and whistles. And so then I moved to Nashville. I was like, okay, I'm going to forget everything I think I know and just start where I start. And that was going to songwriter rounds and just falling in love with the craft of songwriting and the vulnerability of one instrument, one voice and a quiet room. This is a great lesson in the fact that no one's path is linear. And I love that Stephanie found her footing her way. With all the twists and turns in her career, she has faced a lot of growth as a songwriter since she first started. I feel like this album has been the one I've been waiting for as a songwriter. Uh, I think that because I can touch it all now, nothing is untouchable. And so I think that for so long, I kind of had a little bit of a guard up with myself of like, oh, can't quite go there because I'm going to have to explain it. And I can't share that. So now I feel like that's been my biggest growth spurt has been over this album. And I'm finding that as I write songs that will follow this, there's just a, something has changed. It's really cool to get to experience as a songwriter. I, I feel comfortable with that word more than ever now. I think that my imposter syndrome with songwriting has probably been the, the place where I've felt the most, like I have to be so much better uh, than, and, you know, just striving for that. And I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm getting better. One of my favorite things about Stephanie is that she has paved her own way in her career. And here's something super cool. Stephanie is actually the first female country music ambassador for Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. How fun is that? So I got her take on why it's so powerful to be a woman representing these brands. Going back to growing up in Montana, like the outdoors were just, that's where we spent our time. It wasn't really like a, hey, we're going to go do this. It's what we did every single day because growing up on a farm, that's just what you do. So, you know, to grab my fishing pole and some earthworms and go fish, it was just what you do, right? Or go camping or, you know, throw a pack on the horses and such. And so when I started working with Johnny at Bass Pro, it was just very, very easy. I think one of the things I focused on with my business with brand partnerships is really making sure it's authentic and it aligns. So there's never, I always say when, when you have to remember the truth, you're not telling the truth, right? So if you're telling the truth, you never have to remember, right? You don't have to go, Oh, what did I say? No, it's like, this is what you do. And so I think it's really cool too. I love that. It's, it's that lifestyle of living life to the fullest. And I think that the outdoors have been a place for me to like, not only get my brain back, that peace, but that quiet that you take when you get outside, that's when you get the answers you're looking for. You're not gonna get them when you're scrolling through other people's stuff. You're not gonna get them, you're gonna get them when you get quiet. And the outdoors is where I find that like quiet and it's just like, a megaphone of information, it slows the game down. And I think that, you know, when I think about my mom and and my family, you know, she rides horses, she rides motorcycles. And she is 
this teeny tiny little like force to be reckoned with. And I think that to your point with our music, with our writings, I think because we have a larger audience than ever before, we're not, you know, stuck in this only one way of getting heard that there are a lot of women out there that wear all the hats from the Bass Pro hat to uh, their police women, to their firefighters, to their fishing, to their hunting, to their, you know, just enjoying the outdoors, hiking, camping, whatever it is. And I think that when you start speaking to everyone, then everyone gets to be like, oh, there, there's someone that does that too, you know? And uh, no, it's super cool. And I get to, you know, I get to have a lot of fun. I get to wear, you know, get to wear the clothes and I get to go fishing. It's awesome. (laughs) Bottom line, representation is important. And I am obsessed with how committed Stephanie is to it. We also chatted a lot about the ups and downs for women in country music. I especially love what she had to say about the current climate of women in the industry. When I was at country radio with, I think it was Selfish, I was the only, and so that was like 2017, I was the only independent female artist on the charts. And Kelsey Ballerini is also on independent label. And that's not enough. And what I've seen over the last few years is so many more women getting more opportunities. And the music kicks tail. The music is undeniable. And so I think, again, going back to that access, right? We don't have to, it's, it's not fighting with each other. It's fighting for opportunity. And so that's why there's such amazing camaraderie between us all, because we know what it takes to get heard. And I think that when you start seeing the numbers, if you look at the data, women want to hear other women. There's not, there doesn't, this kind of like fake fear of if you put two women on the same bill that people won't go to the show. It's not true. And so I think it's just kind of breaking down some of those, you know, stereotypes and some of those, you know, it's only this way. I'm a firm believer in you find a way. And that's why I started my own label back in the day. You know, it was like, I'm going to do this myself on my own terms. And I'm really proud of that. And I want women to see me at the age I am, making the music I am, and not, the, the ceiling is gone. So if anyone wants to put a ceiling on us, they, they really just have to kind of step out of the way. Because here we are, and we're, we're unstoppable from that standpoint, and I also think there's such a hunger, you know, to your point, to have that, every, there's room for everybody. So make room. It's safe to say that my obsession with the ladies in country music has only planted itself deeper after chatting with these amazing ladies. Their strong feminine energy and point of view is becoming increasingly important in today's country music climate. And I am positive that each one of these ladies will continue to make their mark on the genre that we all love. Make sure you check out what's next for these awesome ladies. Lily Rose just wrapped up her first headlining tour. Plus, make sure you go check out her latest single, What You Know About That. My girl Ashlyn Craft's new duet with Slade Coulter is one of my favorites. Plus, go stream her new album, Traveling Kind. Q 
Curious to know how many hits my girl Parker Welling has written? Well, head on over to her Written by Parker Welling Spotify playlist to see how many of your favorites are on there. And Stephanie Quayle's powerful new album, On the Edge, is a must listen. It's out now. Once again, my name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by me, Ashley Kim. I also executive produce alongside my team at Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you love this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends from Restless Road who recorded our amazing theme music for this podcast. All Country News. For more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at All Country News. Visit us at allcountrynews.com to join our birthday club and subscribe to our weekly industry newsletter. Check out a new episode of Country Confidential every month right here. All Country News.